Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. On January 14th, 2021, a man named Johnny Searcy got discharged from the COVID unit at CHI Memorial in Chattanooga. He'd spent 94 days in CCU. Searcy is a police chief in the small town of Blue Ridge in northern Georgia. And when he was finally strong enough to transfer to rehab, the hospital made a video. God bless. I'm on a great hospital. In the video, you see Chief Searcy being wheeled out of his room, and there are about 50 doctors and nurses lining the hallway to celebrate. Wait, bye-bye. <laughs> Standing the third from the end of the line is Tiffany Dover. She waves as he goes by, but she doesn't say anything. She's wearing a white sweater and her name tag. You see her wearing the same thing in a photograph taken minutes earlier that ran in the Blue Ridge paper on January 19th. In that photo, members of Searcy's care team are posed around his bedside. Tiffany is second from the right. That's a full month after truthers say Tiffany died. I have that photo and a still from the video, pinned to a bulletin board in my bedroom. It's where I organize all the evidence I've found that Tiffany is, in fact, alive. Every few weeks, I'll come across a new data point, and on the board it goes. Here's what I have so far. December 2020, three days after she faints, Tiffany's brother-in-law posts a photo of Tiffany at a family Christmas gathering. She's smiling, in pajamas, cradling a Grinch stuffy. February 2021, Two months later, Tiffany posts to her own Instagram. These are those photos from the Colorado trip and the video of the family tubing down Vail Mountain. She's got her helmet visor up in one of the photos. It's clearly her. Then she goes dark again, probably because truthers were all over those new posts. Her Facebook, with over 10,000 comments, are all deleted, completely gone. And still no hard evidence of her being located or where her whereabouts are or what's going on that she's okay. There's no more evidence until the summer. But then, in August 2021, she and her husband, Dustin Dover, signed mortgage paperwork to build a new house. That's a public record. I found the filing in the local probate court. In October of 2021, an Alabama state trooper, Adam Reyes, posts to Facebook a photo he took with Tiffany at a basketball practice. Both have daughters on the local high school team. He captions it, quote, glad I got to see Tiffany Pontes Dover tonight. The picture is again, unmistakably Tiffany. November, her sister-in-law Rebecca posts a photo reel to her Facebook of the family Thanksgiving. Tiffany is in one picture, wearing gray sweats and hugging her son. December, the same sister-in-law posts Christmas photos. Tiffany is pictured in two candid shots. She's wearing scrubs. The truthers have found these photos, too, and they've made their own reaction videos, mocking them. Here's Joe Leonard, the game developer in Maryland. Totally normal pictures of Tiffany that are not strange or mysterious in any way at all. 
Leonard is the most prolific of the Tiffany truthers, and he's got the most followers. Can't you see? It's her, Nurse Tiffany Dover. You can tell because she is wearing a nurse uniform while everyone else is wearing their cozy Christmas pajamas. Maybe she just got to this family event after a long day of being a hero at work, saving the lives of dumb conservative radio hosts that refuse to get vaxmaxed. This January, another two videos of Tiffany surface on a TikTok account belonging to Taylor Bowen, a nurse practitioner from CHI Memorial. She was actually standing next to Tiffany in that bedside photo with Chief Searcy. Bowen posts them with the hashtag #BestFriendsCheck. In the first clip, they're doing a version of a dance that was trending, bouncing on a sofa while Tiffany bangs a pot with a wooden spoon. The next one, posted two days later, shows Tiffany close up, pouring juice out of a Minute Maid bottle and refilling it with Snoop Dogg branded rosé set to the Don't Be Suspicious sound from Parks and Recreation. Tiffany smiles and does a little shimmy. Don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. Further proof that Tiffany is alive and absolutely somebody that I'd want to be friends with. These newest videos have only gotten a collective 1,500 views, many of which are probably from me. None of the posts showing Tiffany alive have gotten anywhere near the same engagement as the ones suggesting she's dead. It makes sense. Misinformation spreads farther and faster than the truth for a reason. It's novel, or shocking, or it makes you angry. Which is definitely true in Tiffany's case. Her disgusting family took a payout to hide it. And she was cremated to hide any physical evidence. That impulse, to make Tiffany's whole family part of the story, it's taking a toll. Our last trip to Alabama had ended with Tiffany's sister-in-law assuring us that Tiffany would be getting in touch with us soon. But I didn't hear from her. And after a few initial texts, I stopped hearing from Ashley too. But by this point, the false story about Tiffany had already targeted more people. And while Tiffany and her family seemed to be hunkered down, other victims were fighting back. From NBC News, I'm Brandi Zadrasny, and this is Tiffany Dover is Dead. Amanda McCulloch knows what it's like to be at the center of a lie. To have strangers on the internet take your story, twist the facts, and turn it into a weapon. Amanda is 35 years old. She and her family live in Washington, D.C., where, on September 26, 2021, the unthinkable happened. Her youngest son, Xander, he died unexpectedly, just shy of three months old. He was the happiest little baby waking up in the morning and he's just like laying in his little sleep sack, his little swaddle and looking up at you and just kind of gets bright eyed, these big blue eyes and kind of like fumbles around and looks at you. And then he just gets this big grin and starts giggling. And that's just like how he lived his life. There's not a single point in his life that he was not 
absolutely loved and adored and cared for. How many people get to say they live their entire life in a like state of absolute joy? And he did for as long as he was here. And that's hard to look back on and to not have that anymore. Amanda works in data visualization. She's part of a close-knit community on Twitter connected around motherhood and public health. During COVID, those online connections were more important than ever. And when Xander died, she posted about it on Twitter. She wrote, Yesterday, my littlest one passed away unexpectedly at two and a half months. We don't have answers on how or why, but if you have littles at home, give them an extra squeeze today. We're going to miss baby Z's smiles, giggles, and the joy he brought to our family. She included a photo of her two boys. The two-year-old is beaming at the baby. I mainly posted it because I didn't want people to ask about him. Like, I have a really close network of people who I connected to through Twitter and things like that because I work in tech and data. And I, I know that the natural first question anyone asks when they're engaging with you if you just had a baby is, how's your baby? And I didn't want to have to have that same conversation over and over and over again. So that was why I even shared anything, thinking it would be like to the people who know me. And then that tweet took off and had a life of its own in ways that I did not anticipate. Here's what happened. Someone, it's not clear who, took Amanda's post and pasted it next to another post of hers from two months earlier, where she had written about her relief at being vaccinated while pregnant. The juxtaposition turned her post into an anti-vax meme, smugly suggesting that Amanda's choice to get the vaccine had killed her baby. Sandra died on a Sunday around 1 p.m. And by Monday, I had started to get messages about how my story was being misused and manufactured out of context. Less than a day after, I'd sat in a hospital room and listened to them call a time of death on my child. Quick fact check here. An autopsy was performed. It's required in D.C. for all unexpected deaths. And Xander's death was not vaccine-related. Amanda didn't want us to share anything beyond that, and we agreed. The suggestion that Amanda or vaccinated nursing mothers generally pose some risk to their babies, it's flat wrong. Every single reputable public, maternal, and pediatric health organization recommends pregnant women be vaccinated against COVID because it's a disease which increases risks of complications during pregnancy and birth, including preterm birth and pregnancy loss. And there's data. Multiple monitoring systems and studies all show that the COVID vaccines are safe for pregnant women. But still, there is a certain brand of misinformation directed at these women who are pregnant or who want to be that's incredibly effective. Amanda's post became a tool for spreading more of it. And it was moving so fast. Her social media mentions were flooded with hatred and thinly veiled accusations. Comments like, are you ready to know the truth? The initial comments were more hypothesizing what could have happened. And then it popped up on Reddit. And I think that that just kind of sends it down another rabbit hole. But it was with the comment of, baby Z never stood a chance. (laughs) Of course. I mean, I think the worst that I randomly saw, because it came up before the tagging started, and it was the point at which I really realized I needed help, was someone who wrote a whole piece in her Instagram stories about the blood of every baby who has died from this devil vaccine being on your hands. That kind of language and that kind of language coming, especially from other moms, 
was what made me feel like it was something I didn't feel like I could manage on my own. She didn't have to. Amanda has friends and colleagues who work in tech and public health. And when they saw the meme spreading tens of thousands of times across every social media platform, they figured out a way to help. They organized a spreadsheet to document the harassment, and they took turns reporting the posts that violated rules against misinformation and abuse. Someone took over Amanda's accounts to shield her from the worst of it. Amanda got a legal copyright of the image in the post. It made takedowns easier. So far, they've filed more than 400 reports and gotten 68 posts removed. I have it printed and hung on my wall on my stairs because I love that picture of my boys. So I refuse to let someone take that joy away from me. And it wasn't just that they were taking her joy away by making her social media account such a toxic place, but they were also taking away her community just when she needed it most. What's sad is that I take a lot of comfort in the connectedness I have on social media to groups of friends from high school, from college, from grad school, from living in other places. And to have that access to that social network and that social support functionally shut down for weeks when I really wanted to find points of connection was awful. Like, that's the kind of thing you don't really think about until you're in it. But because you're getting all these direct threats and you can't avoid seeing them, you lose that. And that's really hard. As Amanda grieved, her team of tech-savvy, connected friends did what they could. But even they weren't enough to stop it from spreading. Not helping? The timing. Just two days after Xander's death, the CDC released an urgent alert about the low vaccination rate for pregnant women. At the time, it was only 31%. They warned that pregnant women with COVID have an increased risk of, quote, severe illness, death, and pregnancy complications. New data show that symptomatic pregnant women have more than a twofold increased risk of requiring ICU admission and a 70% increased risk of death. People were replying to news coverage of the alert with the meme of Amanda's kids and leaving comments like, Google Amanda McCulloch. That's how Amanda's story ended up on the COVID blog, a website dedicated to spreading conspiracy theories and misinformation. One of the early posts there includes a write-up of the Tiffany Dover conspiracy theory. The Post describes Tiffany's story as manipulated and suppressed, and claimed it made the blog, quote, necessary. The formula for more than 100 stories on the site, which he calls Tiffany Dover cases, is the same. Each post starts with a reporting of someone's death or injury. The blog presents a post-vaccine selfie or online support of vaccination, which is usually mined from the person's social media accounts. It connects some imaginary dots and poof, makes the claim that a COVID vaccine was to blame. Facts be damned. So it was with the article in Amanda. It called Sanders' passing unnecessary and slapped it with a hashtag, vaccine death. It feels like such a violation when you see it going over and over and over again. I finally feel like I'm in a place that I don't think it's fair to let a person who manufactured a picture and a story to have the last word about what happened within my family. Amanda's friends emailed the COVID blog, told them that they had gotten it wrong, and asked them to remove the article. It didn't happen. It just makes me question what someone's goal is. If you reach out to them directly and say, please take this down, this is untrue and manufactured and uh, unfair and pointing a target at a, gr a grieving family, and you reach out and you say that to them, and their response is, no, it is my right to tell this story the way I want to tell it. You're telling my story. You're telling my family's story. I'm telling you it's wrong. 
but it doesn't matter. And I think that that's one of the, the most egregious kind of things people can do is because they're not just amplifying it and resharing it to like their network of social media folks, or they're not just posting a picture. They're actually taking time to like go research you and write up more information about you and see what else they can poke and prod at you. And that to me is someone who seems to intend to poke harm at somebody, especially if they are asked kindly to please take it down. Because who wants to cause a grieving parent harm? Who does that? Who does that? I'll tell you who does that after the break. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh-generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. The website that published the article about Amanda, the one that claimed falsely that Amanda's COVID vaccination had somehow caused the death of her baby, it's popular. At its height in November 2021, the COVID blog had 940,000 visitors and 2.5 million page views. That's according to SimilarWeb, a digital intelligence platform. It's also deeply cruel, not only to people like Amanda, who are grieving a loss or in a fragile medical state, and now have to weather the ire of thousands of strangers on the internet who say that it's all their fault. But it's also cruel to the dead. Mostly private people whose Google results will forever be topped with a lie about what killed them. People who can't fight back. The COVID blog was registered in January 2021, a couple of weeks after Tiffany's fainting and the fallout. The site's owner and only author is a 47-year-old Iowa man named Brian Wilkins. He's posted several times about Tiffany, calling her likely dead, and writing that it was, quote, one of the early cases that inspired the creation of this blog. A year and a half later, it's still spewing misinformation and causing pain. I reached out to Brian Wilkins and asked for an interview, not really expecting much. And at first he refused, saying his readers didn't want him to. Then he changed his mind and agreed. And then he changed his mind again at the last minute, saying he was too busy with family commitments. So I dropped it. And he changed his mind again. If we could come to Iowa on one specific day, he would sit down with us. I wanted to see where he lived. What life actually looks like for someone devoted to misinformation 24 hours a day. But Brian said he didn't want us to come to his home for privacy reasons, which is ironic. He said he'd meet us in Des Moines, about an hour from the town where he lives. 
Oh, hi. hi. This is Franny. Nice to meet you. We met Brian in the lobby of our hotel, a historic office building that had been converted a couple of years ago. This place looks way different than the last time I was here. He said he'd worked as a janitor here when he was a teenager. He was wearing a black button-down dress shirt and jeans and Converse sneakers. He was friendly and polite, more than I expected after all those rounds of punchy emails. You're in my home state. Uh, I'm a, I'm a small-town guy. I grew up. In he told us he grew up wanting to be a radio host. After high school, I just went working for radio stations and newspapers without an education, because all I wanted to do was hear my voice on the air. Brian said he butted heads with management at news and radio stations where he had a foot in the door. He got really into alternative explanations for September 11th, based on an obsessive close reading of the 9-11 Commission report. That's how I became a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> or at least that's what I'm labeled as, so... When he was 30, he went to college for journalism. And around the same time, in 2007, he started a network of blogs, which he called Operation Nation. The tagline over all of them is, Truth is the New Terrorism. Brian moved back to Iowa in April 2020. He had a girlfriend, but they broke up. He said it was because she got breast cancer, and he disagreed with her decision to get treatment. Even though she was healthy, running around, you know, wearing her business suits and looking cute and everything, and... And now she'll never be the same because somebody told her she was sick. She didn't feel sick, but somebody told her she was sick. Brian thinks her cancer wasn't real and that doctors were misleading and mistreating her for profit. She's so, just like most Americans, the white coat gods are always right. And no matter what they say, they're going to do it. They're not trying to cure you. And I haven't set foot in a doctor's office since 2007 and never will again because I just don't trust them. In fact... He told us he recently broke an arm, and instead of go to the ER... I looked on YouTube to learn how to set it and cast it myself, and, I, and, and it healed. Brian's parents are dead. He has no children, and his brother and sister don't speak to him much. He says because of his beliefs. I mean, I live off the grid most of the time. I have a, an RV that I park um, where I have plots of land in Arizona, Nevada, and here... I try and avoid society as much as possible, and living in these remote uh, areas helps me do that. Why do you want to avoid society? Because you can't win at some point. You have to just know that you can't win. You can't change things, and this world is what it is. And all I do is what keeps me comfortable in this world and gives me purpose in this world, and my writing does that. His writing on the COVID blog. A lot of people have written me and told me that I saved them from hurting themselves, from getting these shots. And as long as I get that, because that's all I'm going to get from this, um, then it keeps me motivated to keep doing it. Brian gets something else from the website. He gets paid. You know, what I do is work. I mean, what am I supposed to work for free? I ain't doing that. It doesn't cost anything to subscribe to the COVID blog, but Brian regularly hits up his readers for donations. He says he brings in just enough to cover the site's expenses. The COVID blog, it's supported completely by, by subscribers. Mm -hmm. So that's the only people I answer to. How many subscribers do you have and how much do you pull in in donations? Well, there's, there's 45,000 subscribers right now. 
what they're paying for is a the weekly email newsletter so they can know what's going on. He's also got a product. He sells pine needles, the leaves from white pine trees. Brian clips pine needles off the trees by his home and he sells them on his blog. Five ounce bags for $26.50 each. This is from a video of him foraging for the needles. There's a freeway nearby, but if my eyes didn't deceive me, I thought I saw some good white pines and sure enough, they're tucked away behind some of these other trees, but we do in fact have eastern white pine here. You can pour hot water over them and make a kind of herbal tea. White pine needles contain vitamin C, and they've been used in folk remedies for years, for things like headaches and the common cold. On the COVID blog, Brian suggests that these pine needles can protect unvaccinated people from something that his community worries a lot about. Basically, it's the COVID vaccine rubbing off on them from vaccinated people and poisoning them. This is not a real danger, according to doctors, but Brian was careful to tell me. I don't make any medical claims or anything like that. Brian is a true believer. To him, the world is a dangerous place, villains around every corner. And Brian feels duty-bound to sound the alarm. We talked for over three hours. He told me what he believed, including, of course, that the government is intentionally using the COVID-19 vaccine to kill people and thin out the population. Right now, it's the pharmaceutical companies and the government and the media that are all in cahoots doing this, and there's no denying that. Nobody should trust the FDA, the CDC, or any of these places. Or doctors. Or doctors. Or the media. The, the, the mainstream media. Um, My media. Because, well, be, be, because, like I said. Brian mentioned here Reuters the fact that the chairman of the Thomson Reuters Foundation, a charity that operates independently from the Newswire, is on the board of Pfizer. The implication being that Reuters fact-checking is somehow tainted. I didn't work this out until later. Conspiracy theorists can be hard to refute in the moment. I don't, so I, I just, I don't know. The, I, I can only say from my experience that I've seen no cahoots. I'm not in the cahoots meetings. Um, I'm definitely not invited to those. I guess it. a lot of what I'm hearing is like things that sound sort of strange or suspect, but what are you suggesting? I believe 30% of NBC's ad budget is pharmaceuticals. Um, you, you, you're not going to bite the hand that feeds you. And that's just, that's just how it is. I mean, NBC properties the, the, the run all types of ads instance, from all types of industries. They do not influence how we do our jobs. Eventually, I tried to bring us back to his job. So the stories that are on the site, I'm curious how you, how you find these stories and what your reporting process is like. I, I get flooded with emails. People will send them to me their friends on Facebook will send them to me. Um, you know, some women have miscarriages, you know, weeks after the shots. Each of these stories take four or five hours to write, and the long ones take two days to write. Brian's mission is to lead as many people away from vaccination as possible, especially women and parents. And to do this, he says he needs stories, like Tiffany's and Amanda's. Because people are only going to relate to this stuff if they see somebody that looks like them or they 
see somebody that does what they do. If if it's a teacher and they died, or you know, or you know, a a, a parent who sees this seven year old kid had a heart attack, or a pregnant I, woman, hmm? or, or a pregnant woman, or pregnant, and the pregnant women. And I'm sorry, that's one of my, that's that's probably the most. That one I, I spend a lot of time on. I'm, I think it's evil that these people tell women to get these shots when they're pregnant, and they know damn well that it's dangerous. Again, they, they do fact check, and not dangerous. If I have to every piece of data we have shows the COVID vaccines to be safe, and that, every major medical you know, organization suggests women get vaccinated. What Brian believes isn't true. The vaccine does not cause miscarriages, and it does not kill breastfeeding children. You're taking selfies that someone may have taken at a vaccine clinic and then a miscarriage and putting them together and saying A caused B, when you have no idea whether that's the case, right? Well, what I'm doing is putting the information out there and you can draw your own conclusions. I guess I I imagine people are really hurt by seeing an article about themselves or their loved ones claiming the vaccine killed them when they don't believe that that's the case. I'm just wondering how you view those people that might be hurt by what you're writing. Lately, I tell them all, stop sharing these photos of you getting the shots. Stop sharing photos of you getting the second shot. Stop virtue signaling. Because once you publish this stuff on social media, you relinquish all claims of privacy. You've published your life out there and there's nothing you can do about it. It feels to me like you're saying, yes, there might be some collateral damage. There might be some grieving people who are upset. And I, the blog may have furthered that upset. My blog may also have energized followers to go and bother these people in their worst moments. But that collateral damage is worth it because you are informing the public at about what you think is the dangers of vaccines. You you put your life out there. Well, what am I supposed to do? I mean, there's been two or three women that have threatened to sue me, but don't go there. And you're not going to anyway, because you're not going to pay for a lawyer to do it. And, you know, you're just threatening. And that's what they all do. But you you put your life out there. Now, it, it, be happy that you're warning other women to not do this. Because that's what you're doing. And I'm just putting it all in one place so they don't have to go all over the internet looking for it. I brought up Tiffany. So, okay. Can I ask you about Tiffany Dover? I saw a couple of places on your site where you referenced her. Well, so so this was it, December 17, 2020. I just want to show you some things and get your point of view. Do you need to move these mics or is this? Maybe. Okay. What are you gonna do? I just want to show him some these mics that I pulled. I showed Brian the things that I had found, the evidence that I had for Tiffany being alive. Okay. So this is a mortgage that Tiffany Dover and Dustin Dover just took out in August 2021. Well, that, that is interesting. And then... This is from this Christmas, photos of Tiffany and Dustin at their family Christmas event. There she is again. She's in scrubs. Does that look like her? You know, I'm not going to say it is or not, but um, I think that's very interesting. See, now that's that's good reporting right there. And then this is her again on Thanksgiving. 
with her family. And then this is a state trooper, and they're at a basketball game. And this is from October. Is that her, you think? <laughs> um, Brian looked hard at my screen. It felt like um, I had him. You're telling but then me this is Tiffany. He started to doubt his own eyes. And then like okay, it look, says uh, Okay, look, look. This is the, yeah. the 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 first thing I'm going to say is I remember her having really bright blue eyes. And maybe that's far away, but like those bright blue eyes that you can notice from far away mm-hmm. like in that uh in that video. And I don't know that Tiffany Dover is a skinny chick and that she doesn't look as skinny as she does. But, and again, I'm not saying, and I really like all this. I would, yeah. if if you don't mind forwarding this to me, I would write a, a story about it. If you don't want to do it yourself. I didn't forward in the materials because they're all public record. And so far he hasn't written a story, but sitting there with him that day, I thought we might be approaching a breakthrough. This feels like a good moment here that because it feels like we're coming to some sort of agreement that it seems like she's alive, right? If it's if it's her, sure. Like I said, I've drawn no definitive conclusions as far as Tiffany Dover goes. So I um, guess my question is, if you're willing to concede that Tiffany is alive and that a lot of people were wrong about her, are you willing to concede that maybe some of the other articles on your site where people are jumping to conclusions or where maybe you've jumped to conclusions about the vaccine causing someone's death or contributing to the death of a baby or or some of the claims that you made, are you willing to say maybe, maybe these aren't all right? And maybe if they aren't right, my work is possibly hurting people. Well, I, I think... Th- it's a false equivalency with with Tiffany because these people have obituaries and um and their families are saying that they're dead so there's no I didn't get a real answer here not they but I kept trying what if you're wrong what if like the CDC and the FDA and most medical professionals say what if the vaccines actually do stop COVID from hospitalizing and killing most people and that they are safe and effective and that not getting vaccinated actually puts people in danger. What if your blog is misinforming people and putting their lives at risk? Do you ever think about that? No, because I'm 100% confident in what I'm doing and I wouldn't do it if I wasn't. What I hadn't considered until meeting Brian was this. He had too much invested in his paranoia. He'd sacrificed his dream job, his girlfriend, his family, to conspiracy theories. And I thought I could chip away at them in an afternoon? Brian's not a monster, but it seems like he's never going to stop using these stories and these women. How do you beat that? That's next. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. 
From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Trust in institutions overall is in decline, but in doctors and nurses, it's higher than ever. Americans name nurses as the most ethical and trustworthy profession. Doctors take second place. And yet, Brian's conspiracy theories about COVID vaccines depend on doctors and nurses being evil. They get 40 bucks for every shot that they administer. CVS yeah, that doesn't seem like very much in terms of doctor oh, procedures. Oh, okay. That seems sure. like probably one of the cheapest sure. things they but, can do. But the average American doctor has 1,800 patients. So we can make the, the math easier. 1,000. The math easier. Yeah. 1,000. So 1,000 patients get all three shots. So that's $120 per person times 1,000. That's $120,000. So that's not chump change. I think if you're saying that they would murder that 1,000 of their Why patients not? for $120,000 and. Why not? I just think that's a wild thing to say. You'd think it'd be a high bar, convincing the American public that the professions they trust the most are engaged in a conspiracy to depopulate the earth. But misinformers like Brian make up for the absurdity of their ideas with availability. Some of us see our doctors once a year, but the internet, it's always open. Even in the wee hours when new and expecting parents' minds can wander to the worst. This is Dr. Todd Willen, a pediatrician and lactation expert in Pittsburgh. People are on their couch at two in the morning, whether they're changing a diaper or their formula feeding or whatever, that's when health searches are pretty high up there. I know what it's like to feel vulnerable like that. When I was pregnant with my first baby, we had just moved to Vermont. We didn't have any family or friends nearby. I was in my 20s. I had never even had a pet. And now I was responsible for this person that I was making. I wanted to do a good job. I wanted to be a good mom. So I signed up for pregnant yoga. I knitted covers for cloth diapers. I didn't eat cheese and I did eat salad, even though it made me sick. And I did my research. I had watched The Business of Being Born, a now famous documentary that details nightmare stories about the way hospitals treat women in labor. And I came away from it vowing that I wasn't going to subject myself or my baby to any of that. So I planned a home birth. In the water. No drugs. Planning my crunchy birth meant hanging out in online spaces where pregnancy and birth things were discussed. The second most popular topic was vaccines. And my new tribe was just as critical of vaccines as they were of hospitals. My neighbor, a chiropractor, lent me a book by Dr. Bob Sears a pediatrician who I now know to be anti-vaccine. But I thought then he made a lot of sense, and I went to the library and I checked out more. I had never really thought about vaccines before, but they were the first real medical decision I needed to make for this new baby who I was obsessed with protecting. And saying no or waiting 
It just seemed like the most sensible choice. We did vaccinate our baby. Our midwife and pediatrician were patient and kind, but adamant. And in the end, I trusted them. But I still cried when my perfect newborn got the vitamin K shot and the hepatitis B vaccine, because the misinformation had worked on me. This is why some doctors are now trying to meet misinformation where it's happening, online, which is a pretty radical break from the profession's old rules of decorum. Has that been considered professional? Absolutely not. I've gotten a lot of critiques about being, why are you on social media? That's not it. But I'm educating. I am. That's Dr. Shannon M. Clark, a maternal fetal medicine specialist at UTMB in Galveston, Texas. She and Dr. Willen belong to a new class of doctors who consider being extremely online just part of the job. It is 7.26 a.m. I just got to my office. Um, we have already delivered two babies vaginally. Dr. Clark's username is TikTok Baby Doc. She's got 364,000 followers there. She posts a lot from her office or inside the hospital. I am just now finishing a 24-hour shift. The first half of my day was in ultrasound. The second half of my day night or evening night was on labor delivery. Dr. Willen, Dr. Todd Woe on TikTok, he's known for his explainer videos and his singing. Influenza comes each fall. Vaccination could help you all. Just a pinch in your arm could protect you from flu infection and keep you safe from home. Da, 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 and Dr. Marta Perez, she's a certified OBGYN, an assistant professor at Washington University in St. Louis's School of Medicine, and delivers babies at Barnes Jewish Hospital. She's got more than 100,000 followers on Instagram, and she documented her own pregnancy and birth on YouTube. So hello from my hospital room. I am admitted to the hospital at 35 weeks and I am in labor. My water broke last week. I've been in the hospital for several days and that was clearly unpredictable. In 2020, their platforms got swamped by COVID. In between taking care of patients, the doctors would log on and explain the most recent science, what we knew and what we didn't about the way the virus was spreading and how people could protect themselves. When the vaccine came and the flood of misinformation followed, the doctors fought back. Here's Dr. Perez. So we serve a lot of the complicated pregnancies in Missouri, southern Illinois, sometimes as far out as Arkansas. So we've seen a lot of critical care and illness and some really terribly tragic outcomes. We had hoped that that would improve with the availability of vaccinations. Um, but unfortunately, the uptake of vaccinations in the pregnant population has been low. So we're still seeing ICU patients, severely ill patients coming in even now, despite a vaccine. According to the CDC, as of April, at least 284 pregnant Americans had died with COVID. Dr. Perez said these outcomes are even more frustrating, considering there are widely available safe vaccines. And there's not one downside or harm, no increase in miscarriage, stillbirth, fertility, nothing no inflammation at the placenta, no immune response that is negative, only the positive ones. We just have an abundance of data showing it's safe, and it's just trying to get that data into the right eyes and ears. That's the thing about vaccines. They're quiet miracles. When they work as advertised, nothing happens. In terms of messaging, it's just not a fair fight. And it's not like these doctors don't have the kind of tragic, compelling stories that the misinformers use all the time. They do have them. 
but they generally prefer not to share them. I asked Dr. Clark why we don't hear more cautionary tales from doctors like her on social media, and it touched a nerve. I, <laughs> you're gonna make me get upset. Okay, one thing I've done as a someone who educates on social media. Sorry, you can cut this out if you want. As I have chosen not to share a lot of the personal experiences I've had as a provider with individuals with COVID who have suffered or lost their, their kids, because I I don't want to get on social media and in, in fear monger by saying, oh, I had this patient, this happened. I don't think that's quite fair. You could also lose people that way, meaning it's too much and they can go the other way. But, sorry, it's hard. It's hard as a provider to see someone come in young, healthy, but they have COVID. And this literally happened to me. And within two hours, I was stat sectioning a 26-week baby out of their, her uterus. A stat section is an emergency C-section, and 26 weeks is very, very early for a baby to try and survive outside the womb. Dr. Clark said this baby is still in the NICU. And it happened that quick. And the father said, is this because she didn't get vaccinated? And I'm not going to blame because I understand the fear and I'm never going to make anybody feel guilty. It's really not their fault. It's the fault of all this outside influences that's, that's making them feel that they can't do it. This person they trust on Instagram is telling them not to. What do you expect them to do? But where are those people when I'm delivering their 26-week fetus? Where are they? Are they there saying I'm sorry? No, they're not. And what you're seeing and hearing right now from me is how a lot of us feel. We're exasperated. We're tired. We're sad. We're worried about our patients. One of the reasons there are so few doctors doing what Clark and Willen and Perez are is the harassment. It inevitably comes when you advocate for vaccines and conspiracy theorists make you into a villain. It was over 800 accounts, literally posting 24-7, over 10,000 times to our page. And then they also have weaponized rating and review systems. They've been given real power Dr. Willen's practice was attacked in 2017. Now he's a member of a group of doctors who create content together. In February, they leapt on a trend using the song, That's Not My Name. Yeah, that was sung to uh, That's Not My Name or Don't Call Me Stacy. It was, a, you know, trending. So they're like, hey, I know a cool trend. But yeah, right. We, we all made a list. We said, what have you been called, right? Several doctors appear in the post. Words pop up beside them. Liar. Sheep. Baby killer. Poison injector. Brainwashed. Pharma shill. Pedophile. And, you know, I could tell you pediatricians, one of the reasons I went into pediatrics is pediatricians were nice. They were family-oriented. They made me laugh. They made me feel very comfortable. These are some of the nicest people, you know, of all the professions. I just... Instantly, just, you know, if you think back to your pediatrician, it's usually a pretty pleasant beverage for, for most people. And, and here we are, like, literally being threatened for talking about the stuff we've been doing for, for our whole career and that saved millions of kids. Dr. Willen told me that a bad faith minority on the Internet can cause doctors and hospitals to cower. 
As soon as your message resonates, I can guarantee you one thing, which is you will be attacked. If you are resonating, you're a threat to the anti-vaccine, anti-science industry. There's small numbers of people who they basically start to take over the message and the communication. I couldn't help comparing it to Tiffany's story. All the doctors I spoke to were aware of her. That's really an interesting point because back to the Tiffany Dover situation, what happened was after the faint, the hospital changed the way they go about communicating everything for fear of this handful of very vocal people. I understand it, right? The impulse is to go, <gasps> but- It's the worst thing you can do. It's the, you, you basically have given up your ability to be part of that message. And then you can just be pointed to, look, they have something to hide. They're not saying anything, right? State the facts, state the facts and stand on your reputation as this, you know, mecca of, of education and healing and state the facts and what's going on. Yeah. You know what? There's a percentage of people that faint after vaccines. As a matter of fact, we know that to be so true that every adolescent visit, now it doesn't matter if it's HPV, meningitis, or TDAP, has to stay in our office for 15 minutes because you can have a vasovagal reaction and you can go to the ground. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not some magic medical impact. It's oftentimes you get a painful stimulus, you anticipate it coming on. And if, you, if I line up a thousand people, somebody's likely going to go to the ground. So, you know, own it and say, yep, she went to the ground. I mean, happens with other vaccines too. Let's see how she's doing now. <laughs> you know, instead of silence, fill in the blank. <laughs> Hospitals and doctors, even the extremely online ones, are constrained, bound by facts, by science, by ethics. But the other side, their only limit is their imagination. And the stories they cook up, like Tiffany Dover's or Amanda McCulloch's, don't just deceive the people who happen to come across their posts. They're actually breathing new life into a decades-old movement. That's next time on Tiffany Dover is Dead. From NBC News, this is Truthers, and this is the third of five episodes of Tiffany Dover is Dead. The series was written, reported, and hosted by me, Brandi Zadrozny. It's produced by Franny Kelly. Our associate producer is Eva Ruth Moravec. We had recording help on this episode from Francis Kim. Sound design by Rick Kwan. Original music by Alicia Bonyano of Bully. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Reed Cherlin is our executive producer. Madeline Herringer is our head of editorial. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. 7th Generation Laundry Detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation Laundry Detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com.